0: my holy mountain church this is the word of the Lord Amen. amen amen Thank you Richard. well to our guest my name is Alex Bowman I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity so I want to welcome you on behalf of the elders it is so good to have you here with us for those of you who are tuning in. Live stream, thank you so much for joining us. Before we dive into the sermon, I just want to bring a couple of updates. I want to spend a short brief of time just to pray. I realize we've got a number of teachers in the building, so we want to pray for the teachers and our students as they open up school here publicly at Titusville. So, number one, the Merwins are on vacation. We're glad that, that they are able to get away and to rest and relax. Um, and number two, I just wanted to update you about my family. We had sent out an email um, prayer request for our middle son, Mason. Mason was sick a couple of weeks ago, so we had him tested, and he, tossed, he tested positive. And um, for Mason, his experience with COVID was that he was sick for about a couple of days Um, more like a cold-type sickness, but I don't want to belittle the COVID uh, virus at all. I've lost both an aunt and an uncle due to COVID, and so we need to take it seriously. And we're just grateful for all your prayers and for God's mercy and grace that Mason, we believe, has fully recovered. He went back to work. He's preparing for, for, for his fall classes. And so thank you so much for praying for us. We really appreciate it. For the rest of the Bowen family, since we were living with COVID, so to speak, we went ahead and got tested. Melinda Jackson and I got tested last week, and all of our results came back negative. Praise God for that, because I was thinking I may have to ditch preaching this Sunday if I ended up being positive, but praise be to our God. Uh, We are all negative. So once again, thank you for praying for us. Um, Let's... Pray for our teachers and then we'll dive into the sermon. Father, we just want to take a moment to recognize that um, you are an awesome God. You are a good father and you are our ultimate protector. And Lord, we confess that um, as a culture, we are uh, reeling back from this coronavirus and we don't know how to handle it. And we pray now specifically for the school board of Bavard County and all the, the, the schools in our nation who are seeking to open up. But we pray specifically for the, for the teachers here in our community of believers. We, we just ask that you would be with them, that you would give them strength and perseverance to endure all the new policies, all the new changes, all the extra work Lord, uh, we do pray that you would protect them from this virus. And we also lift up the students who are coming. We thank you that they want to have face-to-face learning. Uh, Lord, we, we, we ask that you would protect them. For those who have been infected or who are sick currently, we ask that you would bring healing to them and that you would protect their families. Lord, we ask for these teachers, in particular to those um, in, in, in our community of faith that you would bestow extra measure of um, favor and blessing and grace as they go back to work full time this week uh, to face all the challenges. We ask that you would strengthen them, that you would uh, bless their year. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The title of this sermon is When Idolatry... And the gospel collide. Last week's sermon, after the Lord declared salvation and deliverance for all the foreigners and the nations and the eunuchs, today he turns his attention to the leaders and the people of Israel. Before we dive into the sermon, I just want to take a moment and pray. Would you pray with me? I want to ask the Lord for help. Um, to handle his word rightly and faithfully and accurately that you church, that we may be built up by it. So Father, we praise you this morning that you are holy and good and righteous and merciful and kind and your love is steadfast. And we just want to confess to you as a church that we need you, we need you to open up our hearts and our minds to behold the wondrous works of your law, that we may behold the beauty of your word, and that we may experience the powerful transformation of your word that will cause us to be more like Christ. And we thank you because you hear our prayers and you delight to answer our prayers. So we praise you this morning and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, some of you who are car enthusiasts may know this, but this picture is Ralph Lauren's car collection. You don't really see a whole lot there, but um, his collection is more than 70 cars, and it includes Ferraris, Alfa Romeo Roadsters, Bugatti's, I've not even seen what a Bugatti looks like. I've heard of it. Mercedes, Bentleys, Jaguars, McLaren, F1s, like what is even that? I don't think I've seen one driving around in Titusville or Port St. John. This man has quite a collection of cars. Today, Forbes estimated this, his collection is worth more than $300 million. Let me repeat that. His collection of more than 70 cars is worth more than $300 million. Now, I don't know this man, Ralph Lauren. I think I've bought some of his clothes before. I don't know him personally, but from an outsider's perspective, I would probably guess that he's got an idol issue. This man's got an idol issue. He's got quite a collection of idols. And I would say that all of us, if we're really truly honest, we all have idol issues. The great reformer John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol idol factory, and I can personally agree with this, this man, John Calvin. Can you relate to what he's saying, that the human heart is an idol factory? When our, well, in our text today, we'll see that God's people had many idols. In fact, in, in verse 13, it says that they had a collection of idols, What's true about their idols is that they were completely worthless. Their idols could not deliver them from the disasters that were to overtake them. Isaiah 57 speaks about this very thing. In verse 6, the Lord said that their idols, namely the smooth stones of the valley, are their portion, their inheritance, their lot. Can you imagine that? These smooth stones are your inheritance. Well, here's the good news of the gospel. For those who take refuge in the Lord, they will receive an inheritance that is imperishable. Here's the main burden of the sermon. Idolatry leads to futility but those who take refuge in the Lord will have an imperishable inheritance in our text we see that the Lord is addressing two groups of people with idolatry issues first the idolatry of the leaders would you look with me at verses 9 through 11 All you beasts of the field, come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all silent dogs. They cannot bark, dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber. The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Now, to gain a better understanding of our text this morning, it is good for us to define the terms, right? So, who are the beasts of the field? The beasts of the field were the foreign invaders who came to bring upon death and destruction to Israel because of their unfaithfulness and idolatry. The watchmen and the shepherds were the leaders of God's people. The watchmen were to remain awake to see the danger coming and to warn God's people. The shepherds were the spiritual leaders who were to put the care of the flock before their very own. And with the impending judgment and destruction coming, they should have led the people of God to repentance. But here, Isaiah describes the leaders of Israel as watchmen who were unconscious, Blind, without knowledge, mute dogs that cannot bark even when, even when they are awake. They were lazy. They were greedy. And they were never satisfied. Isaiah describes these leaders also as shepherds who have no understanding. They were selfish. They were supposed to follow God's ways. Instead, they turned in their own way. Isaiah says, they were more interested in their personal gain. John and Oswald in his commentary of this verse said this, these leaders did not know the desperate nature of their times. They did not know the critical nature of their tasks. They did not know the nature of their people and they did not know their own failures and they were idolaters, and their idols were self. You see, these leaders were supposed to be designated to see what was coming and then to prepare the, the, the people of God for the danger. They were to guard from external danger and to care for internal needs. Instead, they have become unaware and utterly useless for their tasks. That's what's going on here in verses 9 through 12. A lot of people, most people get dogs so that whenever strangers come to their home, they'll at least bark and give the family warning that's, that a stranger is here. Well, these leaders were like the dogs who like to sleep. They were kicking in their dreams. Their legs were, were, were twitching in their dreams instead of being awake and sensing the danger that was coming to the people of God. Behind me is, is, I don't know if you are able to pull up the, my, my, my dog, Toshi. He sleeps a lot. We have a routine. Every morning, I try to get up early to do my personal devotions, and he and I will go out to the family room. I'll sit down to read, and right after sleeping for you know six, seven hours throughout the night, he lays down and goes back to sleep. After I'm done with devotions and if breakfast is ready, we sit down to eat breakfast, he gets up and then he lays down and goes to sleep. Did you know that lions, male lions, sleep 18 to 20 days, 18 to 20 hours in one day? These guys are supposed to be the king of the wilderness. They're supposed to be the king of their pride. How in the world Are they protecting their pride if they're sleeping most of the day? The watchmen and the shepherds were supposed to forego their own personal desires for the the good of the flock. Instead, in verse 12, it says that they like to drink a lot of wine laziness and greed have zapped their vitality so that they have become unaware of their own failures and the danger that was coming to their people in isaiah's day these spiritual leaders would have been priests, the, the priests and the prophets and the kings in today's church age these spiritual leaders are the pastors and the elders of the church At Trinity, we see these two titles, pastors and elders, are interchangeable in the Bible. Therefore, these two titles refer to the same office. Some pastors today have become like the watchmen and shepherds in the Old Testament. Today, some have become blind and become mute dogs who cannot give a warning for their people of the danger that is coming. These watchmen, these shepherds, these pastors and these elders have preached or allowed to, the, to put the message, destructive message in the church to go unchecked. They have preached, they have preached destructive messages their own. Why? Because they are greedy. Because they are, they are, they are wanting only personal gain and they are never really satisfied. Some of these preachers today preach the prosperity gospel. They teach that if you give your life to Jesus and you give your money to the church, then you will get rich and you will be highly favored. Some have become blind and preach a moralistic therapeutic gospel where God is viewed as some kind of cosmic therapist, a divine butler ready to help and serve in time of need. There are those preachers who preach the New Age gospel. They spend most of their time preaching and teaching on the mystic experiences of God rather than scripture. There are those preachers who preach the social justice gospel where social work, which is good, but it's replaced, it has replaced the work of Christ on the cross. Some of these Pastors and preachers have preached the works-based gospel where in order for a person to be saved, that you have to be good and you have to do good. And by God's grace, as an elder team, we have been diligent at guarding against these false teachings, these false gospels that bring massive destruction and hurt to the precious people in the church. Listen, if you're not a believer today and you feel that God is drawing you near, here's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not what you have to do to be saved, but it's about what Christ did on the cross. He paid the penalty of your sin by dying in your place. His substitutionary death earned the forgiveness that you desperately need. And by repenting of your sin and putting your faith and trust in him, you can have and you can receive the free gift of salvation and you can have eternal life and eternal life and have it abundantly. I think there is a wider application of this section. As husbands and fathers, I believe we are the watchmen. We are the shepherds of our flocks at home. Our God has given us a task to watch out for the danger and the beasts of sin that so easily come into our home and cause cause destruction and devour our families and bring havoc and chaos into our families. As husbands and fathers, we are to shepherd our flock. We are to protect our flock from sexual immorality in movies and music. We are to protect them from wrong thinking and materialism. Most of these things come easily into our homes through our TV screens and even straight into the palms of our children's hands. Fathers, Be watchful. Be faithful watchmen and shepherds of the flock that God has entrusted you. Be selective of the movies that you watch with your family. Be quick through the remote. Be quick on the remote and protect your family from inappropriate scenes or languages. Be selective in the music that you play in the house. Husbands. Guard well your bride. Guard well your family from the danger and the wrong thinking that get planted into the minds of your children that will lead to idolatry. Husbands, fathers of Trinity, be faithful watchmen and shepherds to the glory of God. So guys, how are you doing being alert, watchmen and shepherds of your home? To the moms and single moms who are listening, when your husbands aren't home or they're they're at work, or if you are the single mom in your family, I encourage you to be watchful and lead and guide your children to the glory of God. We are to do this with the strength that the Lord provides. Now, some of you might think this is a burden that I'm laying upon you. It's not. When you you begin to think it's a burden to watch over and protect a family that God has entrusted you, you, you're thinking about it the wrong way. It's a privilege, men, that we get to. So let's be faithful watchmen and shepherds to the glory of God. Every person is responsible for his or his, his or her sin, but as leaders, our failure to watch out for and protect our families greatly increases the probability of them falling into sin. This is true in the Old Testament, the wicked priest and the wicked kings led their people into spiritual whoredom. The watchmen and the shepherds in Isaiah's day had become worthless. And by God's grace, watchmen, shepherds of Trinity Community Church, let this not be said of us. Moving on, chapter 57, verses 1 and 2 says, The righteous man perishes, and no one lays it to heart. Devout men are taken away with, while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from calamity. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds who walk in their uprightness. These watchmen and shepherds were supposed to look out for and protect the righteous. Instead, they have allowed them to suffer injustice. And consequently, the failure of the leaders led the people to fail in the same way. The spiritual blindness was an indicator of how bad things got in the days of Isaiah. And so who were the righteous? The righteous were the faithful men and women dying in their midst, but none of them took it to heart. Not one noticed, no one understood, Isaiah's word says. Why? Because these leaders were too caught up in themselves. Drinking a lot of beer and wine and mojitos and margaritas. Thinking about tomorrow that they will do more of the same. Church, this was a fallen nation. Therefore, God in his mercy took righteous people away and spared them from the calamities. Here's a word of encouragement for those of you who have lost loved ones to death. This text tells us that at times, the Lord allows death as a means of mercy to bring them to rest and peace from all the calamities of life. What a gracious God we have, church. I believe Isaiah is seeking to give us a healthier biblical view of death in the context of the calamity in our day. Ray Ortland Jr., who is a pastor, a theologian, says this about death. Death can be a gift, delivering us from evil. God's word says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Church, what grace and what mercy our God has for us. As elders, by God's grace, when we saw the calamity the pandemic was doing to our economy, we asked you, church, to give extra in your finances to put towards the COVID benevolence for those families at Trinity who were affected by the loss of income due to our tanking economy. And many of you responded, and many of you gave generously, and we were able to give at least two different times, financial help to the families who were affected by the shutdown thank you church for responding so well and so quickly as watchmen and shepherds of our home are we staying alert are we staying awake are we looking out for those in our flock Or are we too caught up in our self-interest that we are unaware that our wives and our children may be suffering? Men, we are to be servant leaders. Our wives and our children need to be protected and provided for. We need to serve them by leading them through these hard and dark days. Men, let's be faithful watchmen and shepherds to the glory of God for the good of our families and for the good of our church. First, God addressed the idolatry of the leaders. Now God addresses the idolatry of the people. Look with me at verses three and four. But you draw near, sons of the sorceress, offspring of the adulterer and the loose woman whom are you mocking against whom do you open your mouth wide and stick out your tongue are you not children of transgression the offspring of deceit throughout scripture adultery and idolatry are linked the people were committing spiritual adultery You see, worshiping other gods rather than worshiping the Lord was considered adultery and prostitution because rejecting God's covenant love was compared to marital infidelity. Church, paganism has come in among God's unconscious people. That's what was happening in Isaiah's day. And you know what? We must note that Isaiah's picture of Israel's unfaithfulness in spiritual adultery is more than just a figurative picture. Look with me at verse 5. It says that the people were having sexual activity under the shade of lush trees as a means to aid in their fertility. Here's the point of verse 5. The people were pursuing a connection with the powers of creation rather than a spiritual relationship with God. That's what's happening there. You know, I've heard people say that when when they go to church, they they go to the woods for church. Or when they go to church, they, they go to the lake for church that they feel more connected with God when they're in the woods or they feel connected with God when they're fishing on the lake. These are lies and deceitful thoughts that they're choosing to believe. You know this, there is no better way to connect with God than to worship him where his people are gathered, the church Listen, if you're not a believer, then don't buy into these lies. The church is where God makes his presence manifest through the Holy Spirit. It is where all the called out ones out of the world gather. It is where Christians worship The Lord in song, it is where Christians worship the Lord in offerings and our tithes. It is where Christians worship the Lord in the preaching of God's word. And God uses the preaching of God's word as a means to bring about a transformation to his people, to encourage us, to console us, to convict us, to build us up and to bring life to those who are spiritually dead. In Isaiah's day, Canaanite pagan worship involved sacrificing children to the Ammonite god Molech. Archaeological work in in Israel and Carthage, now modern-day Tunisia, confirmed that this was widely practiced. Today, I would say that this is not part of our culture. We don't see anybody sacrificing children to any gods but I wonder how much we sacrifice our children by pursuing contemporary idols of the heart. Verses six through 10 talks about how Israel committed spiritual adultery just about anywhere and everywhere under trees they sacrificed their children in the valleys they poured out their drink offerings and they brought their grain offerings on a high mountain and all the high places they even sent their invoice or their messenger messengers down to Sheol or to the underworld church these days were dark days And during the last days of Judah and Jerusalem, before Babylon came to bring upon destruction, the city and the land were literally polluted with idols. For us today, ah, we too have many places for idol worship, don't we? We have stadiums to worship the God of football. We have arenas to worship the God of basketball. We have ice rinks to worship the God of hockey. We have convention centers to worship the God of music. We have multiple bodies of water to worship the God of fishing. We have storefronts to buy our electronic idols. The list can go on and on And you know what? We too bring our offerings in the form of tickets. We bring our money to buy beer and other alcoholic drinks. I wonder how much we sacrifice our time with our children when we pursue these passions. I wonder how much we we sacrifice our, our time with our children, leaving them to fend for themselves. I wonder how much family time we give up while we have some screen time. Now, I want to balance this out. I'm not saying that going to ball games or fishing or hunting um, is bad in it in themselves. It becomes spiritual adultery when we abandon God for them. It becomes spiritual adultery when we abandon our relationship with the Lord. Again, I'm not against going to ball games. I've been to them myself. I'm not against hunting or fishing. I have weapons of mass destruction for animals who cross my my crosshairs. I have fishing poles that will catch any fish in the water. These things can be good, especially if you make them a family event. God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Let's be balanced about this. But it becomes spiritual adultery when we spend more than more time in these things than when we spend time with God in prayer and in his word. Listen. If you feel convicted because you have spent more time in these things than with the Lord, then that is a good thing. It is the Lord's kindness that you are feeling a heart of conviction. But his kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. And so all you have to do is repent. Then the Lord will meet you with compassion and with an abundance of forgiveness Listen, if you have been convicted about falling asleep and falling down on warning and guarding your family from the dangers of this world, then don't be discouraged. Our God is able to redeem. Humble yourself. Repent and seek the Lord. Pursue godly individuals that you trust, that you know will only have what's best for you. Seek to be discipled by a godly person. Pursue older men, older women who have been battle-tested. Verses 12 and 13 says this, I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collections of idols deliver you. The wind will carry them all off. A breath will take them away. But he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And so in a biting sarcasm, the Lord will declare their righteousness, the righteousness that they thought they had, but their righteousness did not do them any good. When they cried out to their idols, their their mute and false idols could not deliver them. In fact, they were all worthless, like chaff that the wind blows away. But those who take refuge in the Lord will possess the land and will inherit his holy mountain. For Israel, who took refuge in the Lord, they found security and provision in the promised land. They enjoyed the Lord's presence on his holy mountain. In the New Testament, Jesus said, Matthew, in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who do not assert themselves over others to further pursue their own personal gain. The meek will not inherit this earth. No, they will inherit the new earth. And for those in Christ Jesus, we will inherit the city of God where he will be our God and where we will be his people. First Peter says that this inheritance is kept in heaven for us. And it is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. In conclusion, worship team, will you please join me on the platform? What about us today, church? What about us today? Everyone has failed one way or another. We have all fallen asleep. All of us have been blind at times. One way or another, we have failed to guard our families from all the dangers of the world. We have all been lazy at one time. We have all turned our own way, pursued our own enjoyment, and failed to care for the needs of others that God has entrusted us. We have all lacked knowledge and have had no understanding. For those in Christ, who is watching over us in our failures? Who is guarding us in our failures? Who is keeping us in our failures? Our Heavenly Father knows our shortcomings, church. That's why He sent the Good Shepherd. In John 10, verse 11, Jesus said this, that he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is our ultimate watchman. He is our chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is the one keeping us and guarding us and protecting us and for bro- providing for us. In John 17, verse 12, Jesus said, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. Jesus prays that the father will keep us in John 17 verse 15. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of this world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Church, Jesus did not turn a blind eye to those who were in need, to those who were marginalized, to those who were poor spiritually. Jesus is full of knowledge and understanding. He is the omniscient one. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says that his understanding is unsearchable. He never slumbers or sleeps when it comes to keeping us. He never wearies. Listen to this. I want to wash you with the water of the word. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber Jesus laid down his heavenly glory so that he can take up the forgiveness that we need. He did not turn it in his own way, but he followed God's way. When he set his face to Jerusalem, he went to the cross and he redeemed us from the life of idolatry. Therefore, church, let us take refuge in him. Let us forsake the idols of the heart and let us glory in his presence. Praise God. Would you stand? Let's worship the Lord in song.